Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. I am very happy to introduce Jake Steiker as my guest today. Jake is the co-founder and executive director of NextGen Men and chief equity leader at Equity Leaders. Jake is a passionate speaker and facilitator focused on gender-based issues related to the social and emotional development of young men, the health and well-being of men in communities, and gender equity in workplaces. Jake was recently named one of Avenue Magazine's top 40 under 40, as well as having earned recognition from Ashoka, the British Council, and the Canadian Centre for Diversity and Inclusion. He has spoken at the United Nations as part of the Canadian delegation and participated in the UN Women Safe City Initiative Global Forum. Welcome to the show, Jake. Vielen Dank. Gern <laughs> Now, could you tell our listeners where you are calling in from and what side of food is special where you are? Well, uh, well I'm dialing in from uh, the uh, Coast Salish uh, unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh, also known as Vancouver. Um, and what is special here? Um, I'm a big foodie, so this is a really important question for me. Um, I really like the donuts here. I've tried a lot of donuts, but I think what's really special and what people love is sushi uh, because we have really good fresh seafood here and, and uh, a Japanese diaspora that makes really good sushi. Very tasty. <laughs> Now, Jake, you are the co-founder of Next Gen Men. Could you share with our listeners what made you decide to start your organization and give us a little bit of an overview, please? Yeah, Next Gen Men is a Canadian nonprofit working towards a future where boys and men feel less pain and cause less harm. Um, and the way that we do that is by creating spaces to engage, educate, and empower boys and men around gender and equality among youth, in communities, and at workplaces. Um, And the catalyst around that for me personally um, was my own struggles with mental health in my late teens and early 20s. Um, I grew up a tall, straight, white male. So, you know, all those check boxes of privilege, I had them. But despite that, I was miserable and I was struggling with depression. And um, at 19, my coping mechanism was, you know, binge drinking and getting into fist fights. And at 22, uh, my so uh, my coping mechanism was um, self-harm and um, you know thankfully I got help and uh, went on a healing journey and what I came to understand from that was that I had inherited this masculine script of you got to be tough you can't show emotion you can't ask for help and um, it was funny because nobody external to me was actually putting that on me my girlfriend wasn't telling me those things You know, my dad is a, a stoic. I don't think I've ever really seen him cry, but, you know, I don't really feel like he, like I grew up with him telling me that. 
So that just goes to show that this is the culture that we swim in, right? This is the society. And um, so that was my own kind of catalyst. I call it the Spider-Man moment um, where you get bit and, and everything changes. Um, but my best friend is another one of my co-founders. And unfortunately he lost his 13 year old brother to suicide in 2007. And um, so obviously that's a young man who was so sad, upset, hurt, whatever he was going through that he saw to take his own life. And, um, you know, my best friend wanted to be there for his brother and he wanted to be there for the boys that bullied his brother because they didn't know the consequences or any better at that age. And so those two experiences really wanted, uh, made us want to be catalysts and to role model new ways of being a man to the next generation. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so appreciative what you are doing together with your friends to really impact people. So thank you very much. Now, um, so could you, like, you know, you're saying you're supporting the next generation. So could you maybe give our listeners some examples because you know we are looking a lot at dads and dads at work and dads at caregivers um how are you supporting in particular dads totally um it's actually a field that i would like to grow more in and, and be more specific and intentional around um the statistics show that this generation of fathers are three times more engaged than the generation prior which is great, but they're still often less engaged than mothers and other parents. So through our youth programs, um, we actually engage more with moms. We, you know, they're often the, the concerned parent of, you know, what is my boy going to grow up to be? Like, I don't want him to be part of toxic masculinity. You know, they, they reach out to us with these, these questions and um, every now and again, we get a dad, but um, you know, men, the older generation specifically are still kind of grappling with this, this social mm -hmm. change. And so that's where we have some of our community conversations. Our fatherhood events are generally well, well attended, but we don't have a specific series for them. Um, but, uh, you know, I think dads are, are probably the most important um, in, in transforming what it means to be a man. Um, even if I think about some of my own origin story, um, you know, it's always easy to like look backwards, hindsight's 2020, but um, it was actually my paternal grandfather that I think paved the way uh, for my family to change because my paternal grandmother was fluent in seven languages. And we, we I come from, you know, Czechoslovakia. And at the time when, you know, she was alive and, and working, that was a communist country and you don't really get the freedom to travel. But because of her skill set, she was a technical secretary sent on diplomatic missions to Uruguay and Kenya and all these like amazing places in the world. And that left my grandfather home with two boys. And wow. not to say that, you know, he was some, you know, transformative caregiver, but he kept them clothed and fed. And my dad was six years older than his brother. So he took on a little bit of that caregiving as well, too. And so that was, you know, my paternal grandfather kind of broke the mold of, of patriarchy there. 
and then my dad, you know, when we immigrated to Canada, very much like immigrant hustle, he worked really hard, he was the primary breadwinner, all those kinds of things. But I think because he had this role model at home, um, my dad was a very gender equitable at home, I always saw him pulling his weight doing his work. Um, and he shifted his working hours uh, to seven to three so that he could always take me to basketball. And so, you know, by my grandfather giving my dad permission to not be the patriarch, then my dad gave me permission to not be the patriarch. And, and this is how steep this is. My dad was still a stoic. So like some of those bad mental health practices, I also inherited that. So on the one hand, you know, I got this great freedom from being the very traditional male dominant person, but I got the, the punishment of still that male script around mental health and emotions and those kinds of things. So there's still lots of work to be done. And I think fathers are just an absolutely huge part of that work. Yeah, I, I so agree. It's, you know, raising awareness and basically, you know, you quoted Bell Hook's book all about love that basically sometimes while some women may choose traditional gender norms, it doesn't mean it's inherited and that men can't do it. And some of my guests before have said basically any type of care work can be done by men except for breastfeeding. And I really, really, you know, try to raise awareness about the fact. So thank you for sharing your example. And even these days, they've created uh, these breast prosthetics so that if you have pumped milk, men can also feed that way, oh, right? Wow. Um, it's not natural, but like the act is, is still possible. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what the baby cares about. So literally, I think when it comes to parenting, the only thing that a dad can't do is give birth. Now, um, just to quickly go back, you work also with equity leaders or could you share a bit more about it? I looked at your website and um, you have a module about work-life balance and caregiving, which I obviously was particularly interested in. So equity leaders came out um, as our kind of like social enterprise, corporate facing arm in 2017. And um, the reality was that people looked at next gen men and they said, well, you work with boys, how, how can this translate into the workplace? So we actually had to create a whole separate brand to, to kind of establish ourselves there, which is really funny. Um, but you know, you go into organizations and you ask any leader or HR professional or someone advancing, you know, diversity and inclusion, and you say, who is your number one barrier? Older white men. And so we have a skill set and a way of approaching the conversation that actually gets them engaged, that shows them, you know, beyond the business case, because the business case has existed for 30 plus years and we haven't seen the transformation, but really answering that fundamental question of like, what's in it for me? Why should I care about advancing inclusion and equity in workplaces? And it sounds really selfish when framed that way, but at the end of the day, like when we're presented with a challenge or an opportunity, like that, that's what we think about. And so like, we have to go that way and, you know, uh, when you're not of the oppressed group, it's, it's, it sounds just so callous to say, but you don't have the same willingness to care because you've not experienced it. But with fathers, especially in workplaces, there's a huge opportunity because there's tremendous stigma 
around men taking parental leave. So, you know, when there's this whole idea of like women, quote unquote, sacrificing their careers to take parental leave, men feel that if they want to do it. And more and more men want to do it because fatherhood engagement is going up, right? And so there's a bridge to build empathy there. And then when you build that bridge, you can bring them into a different perspective and see inequity on a, a, on a grander scale, right? Um, similarly, you know, um, we can make a similar case for, you know, quote unquote, office housework and emotional labor and those kinds of things, right? Like um, these fathers, when they're engaged in emotional labor at home with their partner or with their children, they understand what that is in the workplace. So like encouraging them to take parental leave and be engaged in those types of things so they learn those skill sets is actually a strategic advantage in organizations. So it's the same conversation just through a new new channel. Yeah. No, I I, I so agree with you. And um, now, I don't know if you saw, but recently LinkedIn came out with, you know, basically normalizing or starting to normalize caregiving by having the official title of a stay-at-home parent or caregiver when you have the drop-down box on the experience section. And so it's probably too early for you to say if you've heard people within organizations talking about it, but I really feel having it as part of the work section will switch the conversation because even recently, you know, I talk to people and they're like, well, should I mention that I had a gap? And, and honestly, I get very upset about it because there are so many transferable business skills from unpaid care work, but by basically narrowing it down to a gap, it just perpetuates the, the, you know, the, the concept that it's worth nothing and that when then somebody comes back, they have a much lower business self-confidence because in their mind and in the mind of what we were talking just now, it's, oh, they had a gap instead of, wow, they had a practical class or course in transferable business human skills. And the reality is it, it misses the big picture. You had parents. I had parents. Every single poor person who's ever been born has had parents. That means that those parents had children. This is the most natural thing that all of us participate in. And so when we have these conversations about gaps or leave or whatever, that's unnatural. Having children is not unnatural. And I think that's really where we need to have this types of conversation and, and, and support that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have children yet, but I feel really blessed that I am coming of age around, you know, potentially starting my own family in a time when I have so many great male role models in my network who, you know, have really carved the path. I have a friend who, when he went on leave on LinkedIn, changed his job title and experience to, you know, being a stay-at-home caregiver right. and those kinds of things. So, um, I think we just really need to normalize it and and women for far too long have have borne the brunt of the the, the price in around this and then even more so now in in this you know she session and and having to step in and and not only be the mother and the breadwinner and the parent and the and the and the and the, and the right? right so um 
yeah. You are bringing me perfectly to my next question because I feel, especially in North America, one of the big issues that has become very apparent during that pandemic is that few of the positions past an entry-level position are flexible enough. So there is, as far as I know, very limited number of job sharing. Even so, one of my um, previous guests was Professor Frank Reed from the University of Toronto, who co-authored a book about job sharing 40 years ago. So it's not a new concept, but by the same token, it's, you know, I get often the head, what do you, how do you say this in English? The deer in the headlight um, look when I tell people about job sharing. So um, yeah, I, I feel very strongly that with more job sharing or top sharing, which is basically job sharing on a management or expert level, it could be alleviated. And if, and to me, the critical thing is it has to be for everyone, not just for the moms, because then you go back to the mommy track. It has to be for everyone. And we have to have more male role models who demonstrate it. I mean, some of this just comes down to the differences in society, right? And in, in North America, especially, we live in an incredibly, you know, neoliberal, individualistic society. And um, there's tremendous prices to pay, right? Like it used to be, it takes a village. Nobody has a village anymore, right? So many of us, even our single parents and these kinds of things, I really feel for parents, they don't have the support systems of like a European model where there's childcare and stuff knock on wood, this, this new budget goes through and we see this massive right. investment in Canada. Um, but like, you know, having lived in Germany myself, like, um, I don't think people understand that like the, the culture there is one that a parent can go to work and even after work, maybe swing by a happy hour and have a beer and then go get their child because they're in such good hands and it's actually good for the child to have that diversity and then take them home, right? Like that culture of like, I can trust the system and these people and I don't have to pay them an arm and a leg to take care of my child. And it's kind of this perpetual thing, right? They pay the taxes, it goes to the people to create the jobs, to take care of the children and, and it just right. kind of goes through it, it works. And then when you have these children, the culture there, like, here, it's really interesting where, you know, people start to say, well, I can't do things because I have kids, right? And they start isolating themselves and, and whatnot. But like when I was in Europe, like people brought their kids everywhere, right? Like yeah. if they'd go to a friend's house and then if it was time for the kid to go they lay down, they wouldn't leave. They would ask the parents, oh, where can we put our kid down here, <laughs> right? And they would stay and they'd have a nice evening. Like the culture is just so different. And it just felt like, you know, when you're, when you live in these alternate realities and you get the sneak peek behind the matrix and you're like, wait, yeah. there's a different possibility. Why don't we have that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's it. What I find is, you know, every country has, you know, positive and negative things. And I feel when I look at Europe, clearly flexibility is something that we don't have in the way like in our job sharing, maybe for, um, um, how do you call it? Four day work weeks or five hour days. That's also in Germany, a few companies have stopped it. But sadly, it is still 
parents are still being discriminated against in the sense that from a legal perspective, sometimes women come back from um, parental leave and they are literally being either asked to leave or, or you know, a setup of the new position that is supposed to be of a similar position, but it might be, I'm making this up, say 200 kilometers further away because it's within the organization. So there's currently actually, it's called pro-parents. And there is an initiative running to include parents as part of the um, group that cannot be discriminated against. So, so it's, you know, and, and, Say here in North America, we have more women on more senior positions compared to say Germany. So, so I wish sometimes we could just pick the best of all the different countries and, you know, as you said, create our own, um, you know. And we, like, need, we need to address it because, yeah. you know, even just today I was listening to a podcast about um, the American census that just came back and it mm -hmm. showed the second slowest population growth decade of population growth in American history since they started taking that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, child, uh, having children, it used to be 2.1. So it was above replacement and exactly. now it's 1.7 and it's below. And then we have this aging population. Caregiving is going to be such an important topic yeah. in the next several years because our generation, like my generation, I'm 32, has to take care of our parents and our children at the same time. And if we don't have good elder care and good child care, then good luck. Yeah, no, I, I, I so agree. It's like, you know, and, and there are so many possibilities as well, like, you know, having, say, intergeneral job sharing even. So if somebody wants to work longer, but maybe not full time, so then we could you know, phase out retirement. And, but as you are completely correctly saying with the caregiving, there are so many challenges, potential challenges ahead that need to be incorporated and by having more flexible work and also by acknowledging the transferable business skills from being a caregiver, whether that's elderly parents or, or younger children. It's, from patience to, you know, negotiation skills. Anybody try to negotiate with a toddler? Yeah, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So um, now, um, Jake, um, if you could pronounce the motto that you have in Czech, I was, you know, I can't say this and I can then say what the, or you could say what the English word is, that would be wonderful, please. Kolik jazyku znáš, tolik člověkem. Thank you so much. So basically, um, it's it says in English, the more languages you know, the more times a person you are. And I really like this because, you know, my own multicultural background. And so what I was trying to understand is given your multicultural um, background, um, with next gen men, have you seen, say, in the Czech Republic or any other country, like, you know, best practices where you feel that will be something we should really implement here in Canada as well? I mean, I think we've talked about a lot of them already. I'm really excited about this uh, potential childcare investment. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be incredibly transformative. And, and not only women will benefit from that, families will benefit. And the best part is we don't even actually have to look at another country. We could just look at Quebec. 
like the, the program itself has, has paid True. for itself there. Um, and again, in Quebec, 84% of eligible fathers take parental leave while the rest of the country is 11. So, yeah. you know, we have some great role models even within Canada. Um, and again, that, that speaks to the value of speaking multiple languages. For some reason in French, this is a cultural thing. So, you know, how can we adopt that for our benefit? You know, I think there's a lot of stuff in the Scandinavian co countries around um, culture. You know, in, in Sweden, they talk about latte dads and, right. and it, the community that they do. I've spoken with lots of men who've gone on parental leave and, and have found it incredibly awkward where, you know, they're the only male in, in a mommy group or something like that. And, you know, I think it'd be really cool. Like, I hope when I have a kid and I take parental leave that like one of my friends, male friends is also on parental leave and we can do, you know, guy stuff with our babies like that that would be awesome and i think yeah i mean like job sharing i think that you you've highlighted a couple of times is really interesting because at the end of the day i think we have to then reckon reconcile uh in this western culture that you know a job is really just a bunch of objectives to be achieved and the better you outline those objectives the less it matters who is achieving them and um I don't think that we have a cultural background around that. It's very individualistic and, and yeah. self-overcoming and achieving. And I think there will probably be a, a reckoning about that in the near future as well, too. And you're so right, because when I speak with people about job sharing, this is one of the you know aspects of whether or not it's going to work out well is to not have an individual ego about the position, but the ego being within the fulfillment of that role together, regardless of who actually does the individual parts to it. Yeah. And I mean, if you put a diversity and inclusion lens on that, we, we bang the drum of, you know, greater diversity leads to greater innovation. If you have two brains in one job, the job's going to be done better than one person. For example, in Switzerland, there are job sharing um, tandems that go across different languages. So I've seen one where it's, you know, somebody speaks French and the other person German. And then it might be gender as well as age differential as well. So there is, to your point, there is, there is such a variety and like from a, you know, diversity of thought perspective. Absolutely. So um, now we've talked a lot of things, but is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners that we haven't addressed yet? The reason I think that dads are such an important entry point is that the pathways for men to think critically about gender are often traumatic. It's often job loss, trauma, mental health struggles, identity crisis, etc. One of the few positive aspects that get them thinking about gender is when they have a child and they're handed a, a tiny human being and they're told, here, you get to program this. And if it's a girl, they say, oh my God, boys are awful, I need to protect her. Or if it's a boy, they say, oh my God, boys are awful, he needs to be big and strong so he can survive. So the common denominator is that the culture of boyhood is pretty rough for all of us. And so, you know, when we get dads thinking and invite them to, to think critically and, and reimagine what that is, um, I think it's incredibly transformative, not only for the child, but for the father, for the relationship with the mother um, or the non-birthing parent, you know, gender non-conforming relationships and all that. Um, 
so I, I just think it's it's a really important entry point to be there for dads. I, I so agree. It's like, you know, the earlier one can start that, you know, like in Germany, you have some picture books about stereo free, like, you know, you might have a female firefighter, a male carer to start early to have already little kids when they're reading books to get the idea anything is possible. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was a great discussion. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.